Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter from the Columbia Bureau here to talk this week in Mizzou sports. Kind of a, a slow week for the Tigers in Como. We'll dig into the, the basketball situation as the, as the team hopes to get back from its COVID pause and talk a little bit about what's shaken with Eli Drinkwitz's football program as he continues his search for a defensive coordinator. We heard a chance to get, we've heard, had a chance to hear from Ryan Walter since he left for Illinois. We'll, we'll touch on that. Um, but Dave, first I wanted to start with something non-Mizzou, but of course affects Mizzou. The SEC claims another national champion. Alabama um, really easily takes care of Ohio State in the college football playoff national championship. Alabama clearly the best team in the country. Ohio State, I think, deserved to be there number two, but it wasn't much of a game. And and Nick Saban and the Tide do it again, Dave. This was uh, – it was not as close as I hoped it would be. I was kind of thinking Ohio State might cover in this one. Yeah, so did I. That's uh, that's what I picked. I thought I picked it 45-38, I want to say. I mean, I, I didn't think Alabama would, would struggle to win, but you saw what they did in the SEC championship game against Florida – that game got kind of close late. And then, you know, they didn't really put away Notre Dame completely. Um, that ended up being one of the closer games. might have been the closest game they played outside of the Florida game. Even Missouri's game against Alabama, looking in hindsight, was more competitive than most games they played this year. Uh, but, yeah, they just have way too much firepower. Even when Devontae Smith gets hurt, knocked out of the game, by then he had done his damage. Mac Jones was banged up a little bit. Uh, you know, they didn't have their starting center. It just doesn't matter. They just look to the sideline and go get the next five stars ready to go in. And it was really impressive. I, I think the people who should be most excited watching that game, other than Alabama fans, should be Texas fans because of what Steve Sarkeesian's offense did. Now, he's not going to have the same toys in Austin that he had in uh, Tuscaloosa. But, man, he seemed to just call a great game. Everything was working. That was a – that was a creative modern offense he ran out there. And it helps when you've got the Heisman trophy winner and the third place finisher and the fourth place finisher on the offense, but man, they were, they put on a clinic and um, no shame in losing to Alabama, but Ohio state, they just, they just didn't have enough pieces. You know, the uh, running back Trey Sermon got hurt early. They, they were without like, like a dozen players because of COVID including two starting defensive linemen. So you've got to be at full strength to have to have any shot against Alabama right now. And Nick Saban, what do you know? He just he just continues to establish himself as, you know, the greatest coach, college football coach, definitely in our lifetime, just if not of all time. Yeah, I think that debate is is kind of losing some of its steam. You gotta try really hard to to figure out how Nick Saban isn't the best college football coach ever. Um, it gets easier and easier to say that with a period at the end of it as he keeps doing this. And I wondered about this. I think Saban, Bill Belichick, some of these coaches who we assumed were maybe a little long in the tooth and going to hang up the whistles uh, in the near future. I think some of these guys might be looking at what they experienced during their COVID shutdowns and realized, yeah. hey, I don't want to retire. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to go through life without coaching anytime in the near future. And I kind of wonder if we're going to see some of these guys who all their opponents kind of hoped they'd be done soon. Keep going. Um, I mean, hell, Tony Larusa came out of retirement after COVID because he wanted to get back in the dugout because right. he missed baseball so much. And it just makes me wonder if if they're looking at continuing to do this because they the alternative they've got a little taste of it this year against their will. And I think some of them found it wasn't it wasn't all that appealing. So 
we'll see how long Saban is around. But as long as he's around, Alabama's going to be a Death Star, um, and especially when they're when they're coming off a year in which they didn't win the title. Few things right. can motivate Alabama and Nick Saban like a year in which they don't win. That was clearly their mission this year. Another observation: I, I think we got the Heisman right. Um, yeah, Vontae Smith. Yeah. He was first on both of our ballots. Uh, my goodness, um, the Ohio State couldn't stop him. A, a busted up finger did in the second half, but that was after he had one of the best games of his season in the first half. Uh, he doesn't get hit hard. He kind of has this Isaac Bruce-like ability of bouncing off of contact. He runs great routes. He's got great hands, great vision, great speed. This guy, I think we're going to be talking about him being an elite receiver for a long time in the NFL. This is a special player that we got to watch last night for a great first half. Yeah, I can't wait for all these anonymous quotes from NFL people over the next couple <laughs> months that are going to say he's too skinny what are they gonna say? or yeah. not fast enough. <laughs> They'll find something. I mean, just watch the games. I mean, just dominate. That's a and that's a good, the good Ohio State defense. They're not great in the secondary, and you know you can quibble with how they decide to defend them. They yeah, putting a middle linebacker on them wasn't and, what, putting a middle yeah, linebacker that, on them wasn't a good wasn't idea. Good. <laughs> like they had like the slow version of Michael Shear trying to cover the best receiver in the country. Oh, no offense, Michael. Shot, it, shot at Michael. Michael would have. <laughs> Michael would have done a better job, I think, of hanging with him at least. Like at least following him to the end zone but that's that's what that happens sometimes in games um when you get a bad matchup like that but to their their credit they they exploited it but man he was good and uh i just what, just imagine what would he have done if he would have played the whole game and we're talking like 20 catches probably i was thinking he might end up scoring more touchdowns than ohio state played games um if the <laughs> uh, if the second half would have actually had him had him in it but Man, talk about Alabama. They they lose key guys over the course of the game, and their backups come in and and and, and don't skip a beat. I mean, they're just loaded at, at every position, and I gotta imagine they're going to be highly ranked in in something you're working on, Dave, which is the way too early Dave Matter top twenty five for next season. I know Mizzou fans are going to want to know if the Tigers are in it. Um, let's start with the with the top. If you can give us a little preview, and then tell us where where if at all Missouri pops up in that bad boy. Well, this is a little tricky because the NFL entry deadline isn't until next Monday. So there's still some guys out there we don't know about. And remember, everybody can come back. Every yep. senior can come back. Like Mac Jones, Alabama's quarterback, is a senior, but he could come back. And he hasn't, as, as of us taping this, he has not definitively said what he's going to do. So a, a, a senior-heavy team, and, and one of them this year was Northwestern. They've got a bunch of seniors, their quarterback, and a bunch of guys on their defense. They, all, those guys could conceivably all come back next year and, and, and do it all over again. So it's a little hard without knowing who's coming back to do something like this. But then again, you can just pencil in three teams up near the top because every year ends with some combination of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State in the uh, more often than not, far more often than not in the playoffs. But I am actually going out on a very uh, thin limb and saying only two of them will be in my preseason top four not all three and the third one's going to be all the way down at number five so uh that's kind of how i put it together and i've got somebody that wasn't in this year's playoff number one on my ballot and that's a, it is an sec team it's a team that brings back its quarterback unlike everybody else and that's the georgia bulldogs i'll probably be wrong but um i like what jt daniels did i mean they were they looked like a modern offense when he came in late in the season 
they went undefeated with him at quarterback. Granted, one of those was a last-second win over Cincinnati, which Cincinnati's really good, and I have them in the top ten. Um, but I was really impressed with them. And the other the other team I've got in the top four, again, another blue blood. We're not. I'm not like you know picking out you know Oregon State to crash the party, but Oklahoma. I mean, they were playing as well as anybody down the stretch. Spencer Rattler returns. They won the Big Twelve. Um, he actually some of the the you can you can bet on already set bets on next year's Heisman winner, and he is the odds-on favorite right now uh, to to win the Heisman in 2021. So I've got those two, and then let's just say two of the other three teams that were in this year's playoff. Um, Missouri did make my top 25. I, I like the fact they bring back their quarterback. Their schedule is a little lighter next year and more forgiving. Um, Still got to figure out this defensive coordinator, but I do have them in there along with another kind of surprise team in the SEC. I like Ole Miss next year. I just think what Lane Kiffin is building there is pretty exciting. Um, people might be surprised. I've got LSU in the top 25. I think they've made a staff overhaul, and I think they'll be back. Not not winning championships, but they'll be back. They'll be relevant. And and one team that it seems like they're always overrated that I kind of like, and we mentioned them already. I kind of like Texas. You know, they lost three close games this year. They look pretty good in the in the Alamo Bowl, and now they've got a coach who is uh, pretty motivated, and Steve Sarkeesian, to to prove things that that he can do this again as a head coach. So I'm excited about the Longhorns. You know, we probably we talk a lot about games being recruiting tools for for players, and I think sometimes that gets overrated. You know, I don't know that 18 yeah. year olds are sitting around watching the 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 you know Liberty Bowl anymore on TV, right. but I do think players are watching the national championship game. And I think yeah. if you're Steve Sarkeesian and you're going to Texas and you're going to go out and try to get the best players in the Longhorn state, you're looking around and you're asking them just, Hey, go watch the film from what I did yeah. at Alabama and, and see what you can do. I mean, it's one thing to have Devonte Smith on your team and that's great, but it's another thing to get, find ways to get him open and find ways to get yeah. him the ball. I mean, they did so much misdirection and really creative play calling things this year to put their best players in the best spots to make plays. And we see a lot of coaches who don't find ways to make that happen. I mean, hell, the biggest example I've ever seen was when the Rams went and drafted Tavon Austin out of West Virginia. And a couple of years yeah. into that, they're trying to run him between the tackles. He weighed like 110 yeah. pounds. He was like the size of my left leg. And they were like, let's run this guy up the middle in the NFL. And it, it was it, I mean, atrocious what happened to him in that phase of his career because they didn't know how to use him. So if you're a Texas and you're a star player and you're thinking about playing for the Longhorns, then you got an offensive minded coach now who can put you in a way, put you in a spot to perform. So I'm with you on that. I think Texas was the second winner of the national championship game. They've got to feel, they've got to feel good about that. So I like that pick with Missouri, you know, it feels to me like talking to you, your, your upside for the Tigers has maybe, improved a little bit since some of these guys have come back. I mean, we were kind of talking as the season ended and it looked like they were going to lose a lot of guys. We weren't sure who'd be back. They've gotten yeah. some of these guys to stay. He's been active in the transfer market. And it seems like some of those guys could be eligible. And he, we know he's not done yet. Has your, has your ceiling for the Tigers in the second year of Drinkwitz lifted up some because of the moves that have in additions that have happened since the season ended? I still don't think they're quite there as far as chasing Georgia. And then I, I think there's a gap now. Could be a no, gap I mean, term, in terms of, 
Yeah, in terms of what kind of season you think they could have next year, in terms of like yeah, no, I, I do. I think I think they're right there behind Georgia and Florida still, and I, that's a you know you look at the schedule. They play, they go to Boston College, and that's a team I think can be a little bit better. I might I might have them in my top twenty-five, but you should win that game if you're an SEC team. Um, and then their crossover game, I believe, I want to say it's Texas A&M, maybe it's Auburn. No, it's Texas A&M. Um, won't be easy. That's a, that's a team that's finally kind of living up to its, its potential. Um, but you still get Arkansas. You still get Vandy. You still get Kentucky. You get these teams now that you beat, and you know that you can beat them now. Um, you know, you're still going to be an underdog against Georgia and Florida. But I, I, yeah, I think what he did with Bazelak, um before kind of everything just kind of ran dry at the end of the season, we don't know anything about the defense, what kind of scheme they'll run or what's going to happen there until they hire a coordinator. Um, but you got most of your defensive line back. You got some corners back, some safety. You got a linebacker back. Um, the way they were playing at the end of the season, you can't be much worse. They were pretty bad on defense. So, yeah, I, I, I'm fairly bullish. I, I think if you can win eight games, you'll be ranked. In, the, in eight games in the SEC, you'll be ranked at the end of the season. And I, I think they have the potential to do that. Some of that will depend, of course, on the on the defensive coordinator. Um, Eli Drinkwitz is playing this one pretty close to the vest. We we've heard Brian Walters say why he was excited about Illinois. There still hasn't been any definitive answer <laughs> from from yeah. Drinkwitz on if that was something where he nudged Ryan out the door. And we'll probably never get a straight answer from Drinkwitz or Walters about what exactly played out there. It was a curious move for for Walters, but it's it's a move that was made, and now the attention is on. Hey, what what does Drinkwitz do? Could go within. I mean, he's got Gibbs. He's got some guys on his staff who could be good options as a promotion. He could tap that resource pool that he has to go outside. Kind of, what's your vibe on uh, on what could be happening with the DC hire? Yeah, it's hard to get a read on this. You know, I checked in today and was just basically told nothing imminent, so nothing nothing right away. Now, does that mean tomorrow? Maybe, but I, di I didn't get that vibe when I asked. Um, you know, some pieces are kind of falling into place around the country right before we recorded this uh, Tennessee hired Kevin Steele uh, from Auburn and that could maybe even be a move where uh, he could replace Jeremy Pruitt if he gets in yeah. hot water here with some recruiting violations and things and it might be a better option anyway um, so you know I think the market is still there's still some options out there Colorado it was reported earlier today got rid of its defensive coordinator or is about to um, so there's still some moves that can happen and I, nothing would shock it wouldn't shock me I should say if this is kind of an out of left field move I don't know if the casual fan will necessarily recognize the name of who Missouri brings in uh, we're talking about you know defensive coordinator here we're not we're not talking about I think defensive coordinators are more anonymous in today's game than offensive coordinators unless you go out and hire somebody who's been a head coach the power five level like a Will Muschamp or somebody like that or Derek Mason who's already gone to Auburn uh, so we'll see maybe by the end of the week maybe early next week I, there's not a huge rush. I just don't get the sense that there you, you have to have this done by Friday or by next Wednesday for any reason. Signing day is coming up, but Missouri's got that class pretty much wrapped up. A um, couple pieces here and there they'll add, but um, no, nothing, nothing new. To my knowledge, there's been no news of any players who were heavily recruited by Walters moving on from the yeah. zoo, correct? We've heard, we've seen a couple of guys come out and say, hey, disappointed, hope to play for him. But but those guys were also saying that as a, a way of signaling they were staying with the Tigers, correct? Yeah, and even, um, you know, even the, the defensive end, Arden Walker from out in Denver, he was the one guy you would think maybe would be shifting 
tone a little bit because Ryan's dad and his dad played together at Colorado. That was the connection there. And, um, and he pretty much indicated through some visual, some optics on Instagram last week of him all decked out in the zoo gear that he absolutely isn't changing his mind at all. So um, yeah, it doesn't sound like they're going to lose anybody because of this. Let's touch quickly on hoops before we let you run here, Dave. Um, <laughs> the Tigers are, are waiting, waiting, waiting to play again. Um, locked down on this, on, on quarantine. Hopefully they'll get out of it by this weekend to resume. Uh, I know that you've had a chance to, to catch up with Conzo a little bit. Um, I talked to him briefly. This is, this is a, a tough time for, for this team. I mean, they clearly have some things they hope to work on and improve from, but being shut down, being quarantined, it's not an ideal time to, to do it. Are they going to be able to hit the court on Saturday? What kind of team do you think we'll see when they get the all clear based off of bad timing on being uh, being shut down because they had one of you know their most disappointing losses of the season at Mississippi State then found out they had to sit around and, and dwell on it for longer than they hoped. Yeah I got the vibe from him they, they would have loved to have been able to play pretty quickly after that to kind of get that taste out of your mouth and move on um, but they couldn't they lost the LSU game I shouldn't say lost they didn't get to play the LSU game on Saturday and then uh, Vanderbilt would have been tonight Tuesday two home games in a row that that hurts too because you that's best way to regain momentum is come home not have to get on the road and go through all the crazy COVID protocols that you have to on a road trip instead you're just sleeping in your own bed and in your own locker room and go out and play in front of a very a small but your own fans and they didn't get the opportunity to do that so their expectation still is as far as everything I've heard and been told is that they'll play Saturday at Texas A&M pending of course all the tests they have to take before then um, but this is going to be a challenge for the SEC now. We've seen Vanderbilt has gone through this. They, SEC just today canceled tonight's Tennessee-Vanderbilt game in Nashville because Vanderbilt has COVID issues. South Carolina has been out for a while now. I think they've still only played five games. Um, you know, it's I don't know how they're going to make up these games. You know, the, the SEC gave them one extra weekend to make up any lost games at the end of the regular season. But if you have two games you've missed, and Missouri does right now, how do you do that? I mean, I, they play on a Wednesday, and then the following week they start the SEC tournament. I guess you can play on Friday, and then you can play on Sunday, but I don't know how ideal that is. Um, so it, it's going to be a mess. I, they've only played a couple conference games, and I can only imagine that teams are going to lose more of these games just because of the way we know COVID works. And um, So hopefully they can get in as many games as possible, but I'm – I'm not all that hopeful. Every time I get an a alert on my phone or just it's from another team uh, that has to, you know, break news that they can't play that night's game. And we're seeing it in every conference, not just the SEC by any means. Yeah, SLU's dealing with it here in St. Louis. And you yep. really focus on that number, that that 13, right, which is the fewest amount of games you have yeah. to play to be considered for the NCAA tournament. I, I assume that could be changed. Um, if, there oh, yeah. are, well, if there aren't enough teams, State to, football. right? <laughs> if there aren't enough teams available, but uh, I would guess that which games get made up will kind of depend on how likely the team is for an at-large bid and how many games they've played. I mean, teams aren't going to want to play three, four games in a week leading into the conference tournament um, unless they absolutely have to to be considered for for an at-large bid. So I would there's probably going to be some funny math and some funny decisions coming up. Just people should just be prepared for it, but. You do want to you do want to play, and you don't want to go through long periods of time without games because then as much of it is knocking off rust and getting back into shape. 
um, you know, game shape is different than, um, than, than sitting around your apartment with an exercise bike or a pair of dumbbells or whatever the heck these guys are allowed to do. So curious to see what the Tigers will look like. Um, fortunate that they think, at least for now, that they could be back in action soon. But you're right, this is going to be something every league is dealing with. And I'll say this, these coaches, some of them sounded crazy when they talked about opening the NCAA tournament up to everybody. But the more games that get canceled, the more teams that, that are going to have a hard time making these things up, the more less crazy it sounds to have a situation where every team gets a shot until they, until they don't. I don't know that the Indianapolis bubble would be prepared to handle every team, yeah. but uh, they probably have to sort it out before they, before they got there, but it's going to be hard and it's going to be hard for the committee to decide who gets in and who gets, who's out, uh, especially if some teams can't hit that threshold. So Fingers crossed for college basketball. College football made it, and fortunately for college football, there was no like Justin Turner who came on the field spreading COVID after the championship. Um, so, so college football dodged that. Um, we'll see. It might have happened in the streets of Tuscaloosa last night. The party that was <laughs> oh, going on. Yeah, it probably it probably did. Or Miami. There were a couple. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple Alabama fans there who were probably uh, pretty fired up, um, as they should be. And and credit to the SEC too. And and we'll end with this. I hope that that Ohio State and the Big Ten sent Greg Sankey a nice bottle of wine um, after okay. uh, after this championship because without Greg Sankey saying, hey, we're not going to punt the college football season, then the Big Ten would not have had Ohio State playing this year, would not have had Ohio State in the national championship. If the SEC would not have said, we were going to try to find a way to play this football season, we're not going to bow out when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did, then none of this would have happened. So – Maybe a little fitting there for Greg Sankey that he gets uh, he gets his Alabama Crimson Tide to get another ring because he was influential in having there be some semblance of a college football season. Was it perfect? No. Was it better than nothing? Certainly. And I think we'll say the same thing about college basketball if we can get to March. So once we get to March yeah. and they can bubble this thing up in the tournament rolls, it'll be good. But it's going to be a little helter skelter um, to get to that point. So figure out a way to get there is going to be the main thing. We'll see how the Tigers do that when they get back on the court. Dave, anything else before you run here? I think we covered all. I'll have the top 25 next year's next season, preseason top 25 in the, uh, in the Wednesday post-dispatch. Check it out, folks. And if you're interested in the Blues, we got a special section out as well in stlt.com and in Wednesday's post-dispatch. For Dave, I'm Ben. We will talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good weekend.